There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Today, we're going to finish the series we've been in, Love God, Love People, Love Life. Have y'all been enjoying it? Yeah. Amen. Now listen, uh, today we're going to do, you know, we got the love train going. And so you remember we started out week one talking about 2020 vision. Then we went to love God. Then we went to love people. Then we went to love life. Today, we're going to bring up the caboose to this bad boy and talk about some frequently asked questions. Yeah. Not questions, because I'm from the country. We don't say questions, we say questions. Uh, your neighbor looks a little bougie. Why don't you just touch him and say question? Tell him question, 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 question. Amen. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout it out, I am. Hallelujah. Normally I'd have you stand and we look at a scripture, but we're going to jump right into these questions today. You just slap somebody a high five and tell them it's going to be good for us. It's going to be good for us. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, this morning. Now, when we get into this, and as we've talked about this series, Love God, Love People, Love Life, we've really been talking about vision. Somebody say vision. A vision we talked about is the ability to see even with your eyes closed. Uh, a lot of people have sight, but they do not have vision uh, because vision has the ability to know that something can be even though it doesn't look like it is or it will ever be. Somebody say vision. And so through this series, we've been talking about how it harvests our vision which is to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations, how that vision is really our process to do what Jesus told us, which is to make disciples. Jesus didn't tell us to make Christian consumers. Jesus didn't tell us to make a Christian service attenders. He told us to make disciples, and disciples are disciplined students. They, they are students and followers of Jesus, and Jesus said that you know that you were his follower because of how you love. Somebody say love. love. And there were three areas to that love. He said, and we say it every week, you say it, we end every experience with it, that you had to love God. And then you had to love people. Then you had to love yourself. He says, the first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he said, the second one is like it. It is to love your neighbor. How? As yourself. Which means that it's extremely important that we learn how to love who God has made us to be so that we can love who God has made other people to be. 
If you want to find somebody that's miserable, find somebody that doesn't love who God made them to be. And you're not hearing what I'm saying. And they're going to treat everybody else around them bad. And it's really not that they have anything to do with you. It's the fact that they don't like themselves. And somebody that is unhappy with themselves wants everybody around them to be unhappy. See, uh, there's some of you that got some friends in your life that you don't understand why they treat you like they do. It's because they don't really like themselves. So that's why they want to bring you down to that place. But I think there's some harvest and some kingdom folk in the place to say, listen, even if you don't love me back, watch me still love you. Even if you talk about me, watch me still pray for you. Even if you run your mouth about me, watch me. Shall love God, love people, love life. Now in this, in this today, we're bringing up the caboose to our love train. The caboose to our love train. And uh, we want to talk about some FAQs, frequently asked questions. These are things that uh, through the little over five years that our church has existed, questions that people have had. And the truth is, is your neighbor probably be, has had them if you're a first-time uh, guest at our experience. We're glad you're here, but you may have some questions already you're trying to figure out. So I figure, why don't we just do a teaching about some of the questions we get often? And the truth of the matter is, I found out that Americans have this thing to where they won't ask a question until somebody else asks a question, even if they had the question. You know how you could be thinking about something that you have a question, but you wouldn't say anything until somebody else asked the question, and when they said it, you know what you say? I was thinking the same thing. I had the same question. Amen. First question uh, that we've heard is, what makes Harvest different from any other church? What makes Harvest different uh, from any other church? How many people have ever wondered that? You ever wondered that? Okay, all right, cool, all right, all right, cool. Uh, we say all churches aren't the same. Come see why. Because Harvest is a non-denominational, family-oriented, say family. Yeah. And for many people, uh, you may be single. You may not have family. It must have been just you and your cat or you and your dog. Isn't it great to know that you have a spiritual family yeah. to where you're never by yourself? Yeah. Multicultural, that's everybody. Multi-generational, that's everybody. Spirit-filled church for everybody. What I love about our church is we're not a white church. We're not a black church. We're, we're not a Latino church. We're not an Asian church. We're just an everybody church. That's a good place to shout or to say something. Because if it's really kingdom, it looks like the kingdom, which is everybody. The kingdom is not all young. The kingdom is not all old. The kingdom is not all short. The kingdom is not all tall. The kingdom is reflective of everybody. At Harvest, we believe that regardless of your yesterday, God has a great future in store for you. We're not a place of judgment nor condemnation, but a place full of life. If you want to get beat down, you came to the wrong place. If you want to get thrown up under the bus, you came to the wrong place. Because the only thing I have for you is good news, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I don't care how far you've gotten away from him, I'm here to tell you that he's still big enough and bad enough and tall enough to pick you up out of your situation and pick you up out of your... Anybody ever had their situation turned around by God? I don't have a hell to put you in and a judgment to give you. I just have the word of God, which is the truth. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm not going to sugarcoat and give you cornflakes and cocoa puffs. I'm going to give you the truth, but I believe that that truth gives us life. Somebody say life. Now watch this. We're passionate not just about changing people, but the communities surrounding each campus. And now in a short time, what started as a Bible study in my living room has multiplied and become a church that's having an impact around the globe. Let me tell you about your church. The Aurora campus, the government calls us. 
where they can no longer meet the needs of people in the city. You didn't hear that, so I'm going to say it again. At the Aurora campus, the city government, when they can no longer meet the needs of that city, you know who they tell them to call? Call Harvest. Because if you need some food, they'll take care of you. You need some clothes, they'll take care of you. You need some encouragement. That says something when the government says to call the church. Okay, I'm the only one that apparently thinks that's exciting. You'll leave energized. If you agree, just shout. Energized. Uh, no, 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 no. If you agree, shout. You'll leave energized. You agree with that? Okay. Encourage. You agree with that? Inspired. You agree with that? Informed. You agree with that? With the practical tools to make changes in your life. What I love about Harvest is you're not going to get a bunch of religious cliches and mumbo-jumbo that won't work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Amen. Because if the gospel works, it's going to work on Sunday. It's going to work in the sanctuary just like it works on your job. It's going to work on your job the same way it'll work in your house. It's going to work in your house the same way it'll work with your children. Honestly, Harvest can't be explained. It must be experienced. Second question, what denomination is Harvest? What? Are y'all Baptists? I, don't, I, just, I ain't seen the deacons down front doing devotion. I ain't, what, are y'all Baptists? Are y'all Cap? What, what are y'all? We are a non-denominational denomination. Here's some Christian denominations. You may have heard of Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Chosen Frozen, the Episcopalians, uh, so on and so forth. Those are Christian denominations. Uh, they're essentially groups of uh, Christians within the broad spectrum of Christianity. And we're not part of any of those denominations. Uh, but we are a charismatic, you know, when people hear that word, many times they'll think, oh, that just means they're really excitable and, you know, you, feel, you, know, you think shout and make no, no. Charismatic means spirit-filled. That means we believe in the gifts and in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're not a denominational church. Got it? So which denomination is harvest? None. Amen? Amen? Third question, third question that we hear, third question that we hear, because I want to get to the part where we can shout. Third question. Uh, we hear, why does Harvest have a bishop? What's the difference between a bishop and a pastor? How many people ever wondered that? What's the difference between a bishop and a pastor? Come on, thank, thank y'all. You know, on another experience, people <laughs> weren't being honest. Only four people raised their hands. And I said, now nah, I know y'all lying. <laughs> great question. That's a great question. A bishop, uh, the concept of a bishop really originates back to the days of Joseph. Uh, but in the New Testament, which is Matthew through Revelation, uh, uh, the concept of a bishop comes right out of 1 Timothy. Jesus had 12, and those 12 around him were called apostles, or they were also called, in Acts chapter 1, they were called ruling bishops. And a bishop is an overseer of other pastors, sometimes referred to as a pastor's pastor. Now, this is, a, this is amazing to me. Uh, 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 I've been in ministry in a couple of months. It will be 14 years. Oh, you can celebrate with me. Harvest isn't 14 years old. Harvest is a little over five, but over 14 years. Now, that's a good place to shout. And that's not been easy. Good God Almighty. But a lot of times you want to talk to saints in tongues, they understand. But God's been faithful, and we thank him for that. But because of that, and, and my leadership tenure throughout the years, I was chosen to serve as a bishop. And so you'd address me as bishop opposed to pastor because it reflects the office in which I hold. And let me throw this in uh, as, as just an extra piece as well. 
Uh, with that, uh, as a bishop, you have what's called a presiding bishop, which is a bishop to bishops. So you got it. A bishop is a pastor to pastor. Presiding bishop is a bishop to bishop. Now, at our camp meeting in 20, uh, 2009, 2009, I was installed as the presiding bishop over a group of pastors that I oversee and what have you. So, so, so not only do I oversee pastors, but I also oversee other uh, uh, bishops and, and leaders, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's tantamount to what you'd also probably have heard the term archbishop. It's the exact same thing. I just choose not to use that particular nomenclature. Amen. So if you're trying to figure out, well, what, what, what do we have at Harvest? You got the crib de la crib. Yeah. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. What's the dress code at Harvest? What's the dress code at Harvest? If you came from certain backgrounds, you could only go to church with a suit. And if you didn't have a suit, you didn't go to church. How many people, you grew up like that. If you didn't have a suit, okay. All right, good. You probably aren't originally from here. I guess. Just a guess. I don't want to offend no Denver folk. Amen. Uh, but certain backgrounds, uh, if you go to church, just go to church, whatever you got on. Here's the thing I love about Harvest. is our dress code is dress how you feel comfortable. Let me throw this on there. Within reason. Amen. Now, 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 maybe for you that's suit and a tie. Maybe for you that's jeans and a t-shirt. At the end of the day, uh, what you have on is not important. It's what's going on on the inside of you. But notice I threw that little part on there, within reason. Because you don't want to be a distraction to your neighbor. Because to some people, comfort means nothing. Okay, it's real quiet right there. To some people, comfort means nothing. And so within reason, you don't want to be offensive or, 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 or distracting to the person next to you. Amen. But I love us because we can go from extremely formal to extremely casual, and it's the same group of people loving God, loving people, loving life. That's, that's God. I love that. Amen. Next question, next question, next question. It says, it says, what does your V symbol represent? How many people have ever wondered that? What does a V represent? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for honest people. In Jesus' name. What does your V symbol represent? My bishop, how come y'all don't have a cross up behind you? You need a cross. Okay. How come it's not a cross in the church? No, you need a cross. Okay. Why don't we find out what the V means? How about that? Here's what our V symbol represents. Our V is a registered trademark of harvest. Amen. That's what that little R after it means. It means we own it. Amen. Pastors watching online, amen. And it represents the victory that we have through and in Christ. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. Because I know some of you won't feel like you ain't come to church if you ain't put your Bible open. So let me help you break it open. If you don't have one, that's fine. Just look on the screens at your campus. 1 Corinthians 15. And I want you to go uh, to verse 56. So it's shaped like a V. Obviously, it's the V in the word harvest, but let's talk about what it means. Because I know a lot of folks, somebody said, well, what's that V you got on? Because we got it on everything, don't we? We got, we got, we got V t-shirts and V uh, hoodies and V jackets and V necklaces and v, v chains and V dog chains and V rings and earrings and we got spinners with Vs on them and you got... <laughs> And if you can't quite afford the chrome yet, you can get you some of the plastic spinners with the V. I mean, we got it on everything. But why? 
Verse 56, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin uh, is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, here's what that means. Here's what that means. When I have that V on, I am making a declaration not only to the world, not only to myself, but I'm letting the enemy know I've got the victory. Even when it looks like I lost, I still got the victory. Because the scripture says, he always causes me to triumph. Which means it may look like I'm not winning, but you just need to keep watching the game. Because sometimes there'll be a turnaround in the fourth quarter. Cut your neighbor and say, there's a turnaround coming. Tell them. Even when it looks like you're not winning, the scripture says he always gives you the victory. Just got to keep watching the game. The cross in the middle is also set like a sword to represent Christ's sacrifice on Calvary, as well as the word of God being sharper than a dual-edged sword. The word. Somebody say the word. The word. Not bishop's words. Not... Not, no, it's the word that's the foundation upon which we build our lives and our church. Look to Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. I rebuke the devil out of this area. Amen. Not the devil, it's just the devil. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12, you got it? For the word. Somebody say the word. No, I said, say it like you mean it. Say the word. word. For the word of God is living and powerful. That's how you can read a verse in the Bible that was written 6,000 years ago, and yet it means something very relevant for you today. Because this word is alive. Every time you read it, it's grown into something new for you. Amen. And powerful and sharper than any two or dual-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, check this out. The word is so powerful that the scripture says it will separate the soul from the spirit. Check this out. The soul is your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. The spirit is the real essence of you. It is the you that God breathed into. It is the you that exists without the body. It is the you. It is you. It is the essence of the you-ness that you possess. Got it? Now check this out. Sometimes in life, a new version of you can be created because of all of what you go through. And sometimes you've been through so much hurt, through so much pain, and through so much rejection, and through so many issues that your soul, your mind, thoughts, will, and emotion begin to contrive and to begin to develop a new version of you. And so sometimes the real you gets lost in all of the you that's been through the hell you've been through. But the scripture says that the word, somebody say the word, that the word has the power to separate the you that God created you to be from the you that you let your circumstances shake you into being. And it is the word, say the word, it is the word that is able to distinguish the two. And then look at what it says. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, for those of you that keep running into situations where people keep doing you wrong, I, I want to challenge you to get in the Word a little bit more because the Word, the Bible says, will discern the thoughts and the intents of the minds of the people around you. So if you're trying to figure out, God, is this person for me? Just put the Word on them. God, am I supposed to date this person? Put the Word on them. And the word will discern, it will reveal and uncover everything going on inside of their hearts. Isn't that awesome? So, 
So, so, so, so, uh, V represents victory, and in the middle it's the cross and a sword, which represents Christ's sacrifice on Calvary and the Word. So every time we walk around with that V on, you ought to be proud to wear that V because you're saying, I got the victory, and not only do I have that, but my life is built on the Word. And I may not be everything I want to be today, but I sure am better today than I was yesterday. And so I'm not going to cry over my mistakes. I'm not going to have a pity party. Man, I'm going to put my tissues down for my issues, and I'm going to realize I've been given victory. Got the victory. You got it? Yes, sir. Next question. What does har Harvest offer for leadership development? Leadership uh, is very important uh, to me, uh, and the development of leaders is very important to me. And it's very important to God. Throughout the scriptures, we see uh, the importance of the development of leadership. So uh, at Harvest, our goal is to educate from the womb to the tomb. I said it like this in another experience. This to educate you from when you have no teeth to when you have no teeth. It's to educate you from when you have no teeth to when you have purchased the teeth that you have. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that, let me be clear. We want to educate from the womb to the tomb. That's how we change culture. If we're able to produce children and students that are able to be fired up and passionate and watch this, knowledgeable. There's nothing worse than somebody with zeal with no knowledge because they're fired up about nothing. And the problem with being fired up about nothing, I love to grill. I love to grill. I try to grill everything. I tried some bananas one time. I try to grill everything. I saw Bobby Flay do it one time, and so I figured if he can do it, I can do it too. But now, watch this. I, I, I got to have something up under those coals. Because, you know, I'm, I don't use no gas grill. I'm, I'm, Amen. You know, I, Hallelujah. You know I, I still do it the, the traditional way. Don't taste the same on gas. Uh, but uh, but if I don't put something up under there, those coals, I don't care how much lighter fluid I juice them down with, there's got to be something that those coals are connected to that are going to help to distribute the fire and keep the fire going. And what does that is the development of leaders. How many people you think God's called you to be a leader? How many people you think you're a leader? You think you're a leader? Come on, put them up, put them up, put them up. Okay, all right, great. All new harvesters are encouraged and expected to attend KLU, Kingdom Life University, prior to serving in our dream team. You know, different churches do it different ways. This is how we do it here. Amen. Those that decide, desire to serve as leaders in our student ministry can attend SLA or our Student Leadership Academy. And, of course, we also offer the Harvest Bible College, which offers an assortment of diploma and degree programs. Did you know right here at your church you can earn your associate's through doctoral level degree? You Americans, right here at your Harvest Campus, wherever you're at. Amen. Now, it's again, it's very important because leaders, watch this, have to be developed. They cannot be made, they must be developed. You're born with it, but then what you're born with must be developed. Got it? Because a leader has the ability to walk into a place and people naturally be drawn to the individual because it's in them. It's part of who their makeup is. You got it? Yeah. And so leadership development is very important for us here at Harvest. Next question. How do I join Harvest and become a member? 
Uh, now, some of you, depending on your background, maybe you were churched, uh, and so maybe you came from a church where they made a big, big deal out of members, and they'd, they'd have the deacons and folks come down at the end of the church service, and they'd lift up their hands, and they'd ask the question, is there one? And they'd wait, too. I mean, they knew wasn't nobody coming, but they'd wait for at least 15, 20 minutes. Somebody was coming. And uh, depending on how far back you went, I was saying in another experience, depending on how far back you went uh, in your church experience, you may have been in a church where they would put a chair down front. Anybody have been in a church where they put the chair down front? So that if there was one, that one could be totally and completely embarrassed in front of the rest. I mean, how embarrassing is that to come sit in a chair in front of everybody else? And then they start whispering to you, so now everybody in the congregation, well, what are they whispering about? Ooh, I wonder what's going on. I'm going to ask them. And maybe that's the background you came from. We have nothing against that. That's not how we do it here. Uh, the way we do it here, if you want to uh, join and connect to Harvest and become a member, you can do that at any time uh, through visiting our Welcome Center uh, at your campus after any experience. Uh, upon joining the course, you're gonna, you've heard it throughout this series, and you'll always hear about completing KLU or Kingdom Life University, which is the next step in your spiritual growth. That's how we do it. You do it at the Welcome Center at your campus we're not going to have a, a big old processional where you come down and, and, and we take you out in the next room. No, we've we, we revised that so that people can make that decision at their own accord and their own timing, and they can do it right there at the Welcome Center. Amen? Amen. Amen. It, I, I like the way we actually do the invitation to Christ because what it does is it removes the shame and guilt that sometimes comes with people having to tell all their business to everybody else that's watching. So I like the way we do it. Amen? And if you don't, God bless you. The way we do it here. Next question. If I am licensed and ordained and want to join Harvest, will my current credentials be recognized? So uh, if a person comes and they say, well, Bishop, over here at the First Renewed Tabernacle Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints of the First Church of God in Christ of the Baptist faith of the New Redeemed New Covenant Soldiers, pump it up, pump it up, Jesus Church. <laughs> I'm the evangelist. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but here at Harvest, we have an official clergy transfer policy, and you can contact our administrative officers for details. Because you were that somewhere else does not mean you're that in Harvest. Amen. And we thank you in advance. And, and let me be clear, we, we welcome and, uh, and receive everybody. Uh, but we thank you in advance for not taking liberties that have not been extended to you. Okay? So uh, it's great that you were a prayer partner over at where you come from. But over here, unless you're told to do that, you are not that here. Amen. Come on, Bible Bishop, I was prophesying to somebody in the parking lot. You were violently out of order. Ooh, and don't let me see you. Amen. Because you're taking liberties that were not extended to you. Amen. Contact the office for the official clergy transfer policy. Next question. Why do we baptize in water? Anybody ever wondered that? Why you baptize in water? Why can't you just, you know, put little sprinkles on your head or something? Come on, get it. Why do we baptize in water? Real simple. Jesus told us to. Uh, Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus commanded the apostles to baptize those who would believe in him in water. He says to, uh, therefore, go ye into all the nations, making disciples, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is for the remission of sin and for the believer's identification with Christ. Hear me, water baptism doesn't make you saved. Water baptism identifies that you are saved. And if you've not been baptized in water, you've got to get through KLU so you can be baptized in water because you should be baptized in water. Got it? Now look at Acts 2.38. Look at Acts 
Acts 2 and uh, 38. I want you to see this. When we talk about water baptism, it says, Then Peter said to him, Repent. Repent means turn around, change directions, change your thinking. And let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, go to Colossians 2.12. Colossians 2.12. And while you're flipping here, let me say this. If you've been baptized before, but you were kind of playing, you should be baptized again. You, uh, you, you know, sometimes when you do things, sometimes for God, sometimes you do it under the influence of drugs. You didn't know that? Because you were drugged to church every week. And so what ends up happening is you are now under the influence of drugs. So when you got baptized, you were doing it because you knew you were going to get drugged right back in there next week. So you weren't serious in your decision. And so if you weren't serious at that point, there's nothing wrong with doing it again so you can be serious about your decision. There's nothing wrong with going down twice. And if you say, Bishop, I did it twice, but I wasn't even serious then, then you need a third time. Colossians 2.12. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. So check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Here's how water baptism works. Water baptism is an outward sign for something that has already occurred when you confess Christ. Amen. Scripture says in Romans, if you believe in your heart, your mind, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is a God, and God sent him to die in our place, so on and so forth, that you are saved. Now watch this. Another term we use is born again. The reason water is used is because water represents when a child is born, the woman's water has to break so that the child can enter into the birth canal, and hence the child is born. So when a person is baptized in water, it is a symbol that they have been born again because they've come through the birth canal again. And watch this. The old them that was no longer is anymore because that one is dead and a new person has been born. That's why they used to say songs like, well, I used to go. I don't want to go no more. The places I used to go, I don't want to go there no more. And the things I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. And the folk I used to run with, I don't want to run with them no more. Why? Because I've been born again. I've come through the birth canal again. And every believer that has breath in their body should be baptized in water. Amen. Next question. Why do we dedicate children? Now, we don't baptize children. Uh, we don't dunk the back of their head in water. We don't put their feet in water. We don't put their fingers in water. We don't do that. Because children don't have the ability to make the decision for themselves. And again, you don't want them to be under the influence of drugs. You don't want it to be because they were drugged and forced to do it. You want it to be because they are believing it for themselves. Because a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So just because somebody does something, if they didn't want to do it, they didn't really do it because they never wanted to do it. So even though they did it, you got played because they didn't want to do it, which means they didn't do it. Ooh, I want to help somebody right there. So if you got to ask them, do they love you? Okay, all right, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right. Now, why do we dedicate children? <laughs> we dedicate children to set them apart for God. Very simple. God instructed Abraham to dedicate every male in his household to God by the right of circumcision. You can see that in Genesis 17 and 23. 
Another example is Samson. You know Samson. Samson was the strong man with his hair, so on and so forth. Samson's parents were told to set Samson apart unto God because of the great future God had prepared for him. How many parents in the place? Parents, parents. Now, how many parents you want your children to exceed you in life? If you didn't raise your hand both times, you are selfish. Every parent should want their child to far exceed where which means you shouldn't want your child to go through the same issues and problems that you went through. And when your children are dedicated to the Lord, the blessing is spoke over them and they're set aside. And watch this. The Bible says if you train them up in the way they should go, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. They may try to depart. They may try to run from God. But everywhere they run, God's going to be right there. When they run to the club, God's going to be right there. When they run to a bad relationship, God's going to be right there. Wherever they run, he's going to be right there. Because they've been set aside for God. And so every parent should have their children dedicated to the Lord so that the blessing can be spoke over them. It's not enough to just say, oh, well, you, know, I, you know, I prayed for them. No, they need to be blessed and dedicated. And children that are too young to make a decision to follow Christ, we dedicate them. Amen? Amen. We're just about through. What do I do if I need to request counseling? Uh, wise people understand when they have reached the brink of their ability to remedy a situation. Uh, let me say it another way. Only a fool would try to fix a problem that it's evident they do not have the ability to fix. Okay, let me say it another way. Sometimes you need somebody to help you out. And so if you need to request counseling, premarital counseling, mid-marital counseling, post-marital counseling, post-divorce counseling, getting ready to have a divorce counseling, thinking about maybe thinking about divorce counseling, thinking about this counseling, whatever it is, whatever it is, the way to do that is to, at your campus, go to the Welcome Center, or you can do it on our website, or you can just pick up the phone and contact our administrative offices. Because there's nothing worse than an individual going through a situation by themselves that they don't have to. Yeah. If you need that, we have people that are available to help you and walk with you through your situation that you may need some counsel. Scripture says there is safety in a multitude of counsel. Next question. Y'all all right? Yeah. Next question. Next question. It says, I tried to schedule a meeting with the bishop, and it was directed to another leader. Can you tell me why? Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and answer this. Um, and the answer that, uh, that is there is written from not my perspective, so I'm going to answer from my perspective. I would love to be able to hear every concern and provide counsel for every issue. And if you know anything about me, you know that's the truth. However, this is not only impossible, but it's contrary to biblical wisdom. And I've appointed capable men and women to assist in these issues. Let's look at what the scripture says about that. Go to Exodus 18. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying uh, that I can't go talk to people. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is, is note that if there's something you just really want to talk to me about, and unfortunately, time scheduling, you said I won't permit it, don't go getting all offended. Who is quiet in here? <laughs> Don't go getting all offended and all of that. The Bible tells me not to do all that. Amen. 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 Look at what it says, verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And let me tell you, I've tried that way of pastoring, and it does nothing but wear everybody out. Yes. Verse 14. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, 
and his name was Jethro. What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to Jethro, his father-in-law, because the people come to in me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me. When I, and I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes of God and his law. So Moses is just saying, hey, listen, uh, I'm the only one that can get and give them the answers to their situation. Uh, I, I've got to be the one to do this. And look, look at verse 17. Jethro says to him, the thing you do is what? Not good. Look at verse 18. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that uh, you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes of the laws and show them in the way in which they must walk and the work which they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times. That it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves will judge, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Amen. 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 So again, I want to be very clear about this. This is not saying, I, I, you know, this, oh, he's just trying to be, I ain't trying to be nothing but who God made me to be. But in that, but in that, but in that, and we, most people are very understanding of this, but it's a FAQ just so that the person who wondered in the back of their mind, why couldn't Bishop come fix my uh, pinky toe? Because we have capable people that are able to assist you in the same manner that I would. But look at what the scripture said. Uh, Jethro told them, he said, teach them the word. So don't forget about the importance of utilizing the resources like the sermon CDs and the DVDs and Bishop's blogs and Bishop's books. It's offensive for people to ask me questions I've already answered on this resource that they just refuse to go look at. Amen. 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 Let's move to the next question. It says, I have seen people randomly bringing an offering to the altar. Why does this happen? Real simple. The Bible admonishes us to bring our offering to the altar. You've seen it during an experience where a point is really speaking to somebody and they'll get up and bring money and you may be looking at them. Why are they doing it? Why couldn't they wait to take it? We ain't even passed the baskets yet. The scripture says, Matthew 5, 23-24, that they can leave the offering at the altar. You are free to follow this mandate as a symbolic expression of your sacrifice to the Lord. This typically occurs when a message is speaking in a very distinct way to an individual. How many of you ever had that happen? Where it just, it was talking so fresh to you, you just had to get out of your seat and say, excuse me, I got to go put something on that altar because the word is speaking to me. It's bullseye. It's beyond bullseye. It pulled a bull off the eye. I mean, it's right there. Amen. Last question. Last question that, that we have heard through, throughout the years is why do we worship God as we do. Now, again, depending on your background, if you were unchurched or de-churched, then all you may know is harvest. But if you come from a church before or a different denomination before, you may wonder, why do they worship like they do? If you came from certain Christian denominations, people didn't worship, they sat there. And they just looked. And, you know, and they just kind of just, you know, sat there at the clock. Trying to time it right so they can get out the parking lot so that they can get down to the Golden Corral before the other church folk get there. <laughs> oh, I'm in somebody's stuff right there. Uh, but watch this. Uh, sometimes Christians do things without knowing why they do it. 
And so uh, as a charismatic or spirit-filled church, uh, it's important to us that what we do, we do with an understanding. Uh, because it doesn't mean anything if you clap your hands, but you don't know why you clap your hands. It, it doesn't mean anything that you shout if you don't know why you shout. It doesn't mean anything if you dance and you don't know why you dance. So it's important that we know why we worship as we do. Because if we do things without understanding, then we've really taken the potency or the power away from those things that we've done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we don't do stuff just to do cute church stuff just so we can do, oh, man, I was in church, man, I was jabbing and clapping. But why? Oh, man, I ran a lap today. Why? Oh, man, I was clapping. Oh, man, that's my jam right there. I, why? This is not a Christian concert. If so, we need to start charging at the door. Amen. Amen. This is a time, especially in our worship experiences, it's not a time to watch the singers sing and like this is a performance. It's a time to engage and to worship the Lord. See, worship is powerful because worship, worship comes from the Anglo-Saxon word worship, which means to, watch this, it means that you derive a level of uh, appreciation for a thing based on its worth. Which means worship has nothing to do with anything going on with me. Worship has everything to do with everything that he is. Which means even when I don't feel like it, he's still worthy of it. Even when I don't feel like clapping, he still deserves it. Even when I don't feel like shouting, he still deserves it. Even when I don't feel like turning and touching my neighbor, he still deserves it. So we don't do it just as some cute church thing to do. We do it because the word commands us. And so one of the ways that we do that is we stand. I know some of you may come from backgrounds where y'all sit the whole time and you just sit. But why do we got to do all this standing? Because the Bible says so. That's why. Bishop where? Nehemiah 9, 2 through 3. You can write it down you can read it. The scripture says that they stood as they came to worship the Lord. But then why do we pray? Why do we pray? Some of you may come from backgrounds where you pray silently. There was no out loud praying. And, and while that's nice, the scripture suggests that it's not enough because if you have vocal cords, you should use them, the scripture says. So we pray. Why? Because Psalm 143 and 1 says that when we come together, we ought to pray. And I'm here to tell you, prayer changes not some things. Prayer changes everything. And sometimes prayer won't fix the situation, but it'll fix how I look at the situation and it won't bother me like it did before. Then why do we bow in some of our worship songs we may bow? Why do we do that? Because Psalm 95 and 6 says that when we are worshiping the Lord that we should bow before him. You would bow before a king or a dignitary. So I'll be doggone if you won't bow before the king of kings and the, and the Lord. Don't you come up in here acting like somebody owes you something. We're in here because if it was not for God that was on your side, you wouldn't even be here. Why are the people that know that God has brought them through some stuff and ain't too proud to praise him. Ain't too proud to worship. I ain't Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to praise God even if you don't. Been too good to me to sit there and try to look cute. Been too good. So what if I got to sweat my shirt out? I'll sweat it out. He's been too good to me for me to sit there and look sanctimonious and to look that car accident should have killed you. What you had to go through should have made you lose your mind. When you got locked up, you should have lost your mind. But it was God that was on your side. And I dare you sitting here and look at me with your bias. Why do we dance and leap and run? No, 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 no. Why do we dance and leap and run? Because the scripture says in Psalm 30 and 11, 
that we should come before his presence dancing and with leaping and running. Now notice, he didn't say you had to dance good. Some people get self-conscious about praising God because they're worried about their neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, let me tell you something. No, say it real good to him. Say, let me tell you something. Forget you. You don't like the way I praise God? Then you need to find another seat. You don't like how I shout? Then you need to go sit in the non-shouting section. Nothing against you, nothing personal, it's just kingdom. They didn't say you had to dance good. Listen, listen. He didn't say, because some of y'all are dancers. I mean, y'all dancers. I mean, y'all y'all got it. I mean, God bless you. Some of us like to think we got it. But everybody seems to tell us we don't. Forget you. So you just got to be where you're at, right? So so you ain't got to get all elaborate like it's fame or something like that and doing all of this and thinking. You ain't got to do all that. Just do what your bishop does. I, I know my boundaries. So I got me a nice little two-step right here. And when I'm feeling, I mean, I'm like this here, but, but I know my boundaries. You ain't going to catch me over there. I know my boundaries. Don't be worried about that neighbor. Forget them. They can't save you. They ain't the answer to your problem. They're not going to get your bills paid. They're not, they're, they're, they're not going to heal your body. Then we lift our hands. Lift our hands. Psalm 63, 4 tells us that when we come before his presence, we ought to lift our hands. That's why we do it. And it's not just some church thing to do. Oh, everybody lift your hands. Oh, you precious people. No. What it is, is, is we're doing it because the scripture commands that we do it. But check this out. Two things are happening when we lift our hands. I taught this in the prayer, praise, and worship series. Uh, three, two things are happening. One, I am, watch this, I am releasing things to God. When I lift my hands. But the second thing that's happening, the other Hebrew word means I am receiving from God. See, the people that are worshipers and the people that know how to praise God, they, when they worship, they don't just give, but they also receive. And that's why they can give everything they got and still be full and still feel full with joy and peace. and Because they're not only giving, but they're receiving. If you've ever been in a situation where you've had to deal with law enforcement and you were in a building and they needed you to come up out that building, they, they said something like this to you. Come out. Which, oh, you don't want to tell anything. With your hands up. What they say? Come out. Because they want to know there's nothing in your hands that you should have left in there. See, if you leave church with a burden, that's because you didn't understand the power of lifting your hands. Because all of your burdens you should have left in here. So when you walk out of there, I'm burden free. I'm issue free. Why? Because I not only gave to God, I received from God. Then we sing and we clap. We sing and we clap. And some folk are working on doing both at the same time. And that's okay. No, I don't feel bad about that. If you, you know, I, sometimes I was watching a video today and I was watching somebody and everybody else was, you know, moving and clapping and, and this individual wasn't here, wasn't here. Uh, this individual was, you know, they, they had a problem with the singing and clapping combination. So, you know, they were trying to sing and they were singing a song, you know, and, and the beat was, you know, and, you know, and, but then 
And they got back on it. And, they kind of, and then they just put their hands down and started moving. Now, now listen, it's not about trying to be all of this and all of that. The scripture says we should sing and we should clap. It didn't even say I had to sing well. It said I had to clap on beats. And if you're a neighbor that can clap on beat and be a good neighbor and help that other neighbor, that may sometimes lose it. They got to be mean about it. Just listen. No, just. And the two and the four. And the two and the four. One, two, four. Two. You got it. Two, four. See, help your neighbor out. I don't know one in the three. The two and the four. Bible says we should sing and clap. Bishop, I get self-conscious. Why? Because you're worried about your neighbor. I already told you what to tell them. Forget you. I don't mean that in no kind of negative way. I just refuse to let you intimidate me. And lastly, we use music. Why do we use music? If you come out of certain Christian denominations, they say, well, we, you shouldn't use music. And they use all kind of crazy stuff. That's not true. Psalm 154 says we should use music when we worship the Lord. Why do we worship as we do? Because the scripture tells us to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now everybody stand on your feet with me. Amen. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.